everybody. This is Joel Junker from Karen Brooks, and welcome to another episode of the Karen Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Uh, great episode here with uh, Karen Brooks alumnus Scott Gregg. Uh, Scott made the transition in 2015 from the Air Force. He was a pilot. Uh, a lot of pilots uh, choose to continue their aviation career uh, with uh, airlines. Uh, Scott decided to be a development candidate and uh, continue to really focus on his leadership and uh, leveraging some of the experiences he had in the Air Force uh, and made the transition to Eli Lilly, uh, which is a leading uh, pharmaceutical company. He started as a Six Sigma black belt. Uh, and then since uh, November of 2015, when he made the transition, uh, he's had two promotions. What makes it a great episode is first, uh, Scott talks about the value of an engineering degree to companies and how even though his engineering degree is 11 years old, he continues to use the learning agility, thought process, and problem-solving uh, methodologies that he learned as an aerospace engineer uh, from 2004. Uh, interestingly, he's an aerospace engineer, uh, and Eli Lilly is a drug company. Uh, so I think it's interesting that, uh, uh, again, they valued more so not functionally his degree, but more of the aptitude and the thought process that he gained as an engineer. So uh, I think it's a great episode also because of many engineers that I interview are concerned about uh, being developmental and having opportunities for promotion and development, concerned about maybe being stuck in too technical of a role. And Scott addresses all of those things, as well as the importance of networking early in your career to build a foundation. You don't need to be an engineer or want to do engineering work to listen to the episode. A lot of great insight and stories from Scott about uh, being a leader in a, excuse me, in a pharmaceutical company. And so enjoy the podcast. Scott, thank you for uh, for being a part of the Cameron Brooks podcast and, um, and looking forward to catching up with you, as you mentioned, as we just started. It's been three years. Uh, since you attended a conference and accepted a position at the Eli Lilly, so welcome to the welcome to the show. Hey Joel, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, to be here and, and share some experiences with you. So Scott, one of the things I like to do just to start off is tell everybody what you what you do currently. What's your current job? Who do you work for? What's your position? So the and then we'll go backwards and talk about what you did in the military. Okay. Yeah, currently I'm uh, working as a uh, project manager um, for a global team uh, for Eli Lilly and Company, which is a large uh, pharmaceutical research and manufacturing company. And uh, specifically, I'm working in uh, the drug development area um, and, and managing um, all of the uh, resources, uh, budget, um, and, and projects around uh, an onco- uh, oncolytic uh, medicine that we have uh, currently on the market, but um, is, is getting ready to have a confirmatory trial uh, results read out in the next couple of months. And so that's, that's kind of exciting times uh, for us because it's, it's been a, uh, a great drug um, so far in, in getting it into the hands of, uh, of more and more people uh, in the next, uh, over the next 18 months will be, uh, be you know, a big win. And so just probably some of our military officer listeners might, not all of them might know what oncolytic is, but cancer drugs, correct? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yes, it's uh, it's a cancer drug um, working in our uh, uh, our oncology uh, department. Um, 
for uh, and and this this particular drug is for uh, soft tissue sarcoma uh, for anybody that's uh, that's that's either experienced or uh, or had a a family member um, go through uh, the, the cancer process. This is uh, um, one of those uh, one of those very uh, death um, short short lifespan um, diseases and and so this uh, this drug is is actually um, aimed at, at extending life um, uh, for for those patients. And it sounds like what you're involved with as a program manager right now is that this drug's not launched. You're managing a program or project to get it through the various stages of approval and then to launch. Is that am I accurate on what you're explaining there? Yeah. So my so my role as the uh, uh, as kind of the central project manager um, is to is very much like a uh, executive officer uh, at a at a wing uh, type of level or um, at a headquarters uh, deal um, in terms of um, managing all of the different projects that are going on, the timelines, uh, the budgets that are associated with that, um, and, and capturing um, all of those activities um, for the uh, COO uh, who who kind of uh, drives the strategy and, and things like that. So I. I I'm kind of her uh, her right hand man on uh, on that one. Um, help run the uh, the lead teams uh, and other functional teams, um, and uh, and coordinate uh, kind of all those activities. Um, so it's it's kind of getting a chance to be at the uh, at the hub of the wheel uh, of a, of a very large team. Our team is about 250 300 people uh, or so, and kind of coordinate all of those activities. So it's it's. Uh, it's a lot of fun to, to be able to see all of that. And you said you're you're working directly with the CEO COO of the company uh, uh, this, on this, this project. The, uh, it's the COO of the um, uh, of the molecule. So each each drug oh. molecule that we have uh, has a uh, has a COO, uh, chief operating okay. officer. Um, gotcha. That will uh, will drive that. Okay, gotcha. That that. That makes sense. So tell, it's interesting though, is it, you know, we talked, it's been three years since you've made the transition, not quite three years. You, you probably started in January or maybe I think it shows December. So it's not quite three years, um, mm-hmm. but this is a big job. And I think there's a lot of times junior officers are curious, like about promotions and upward mobility. Can you talk about where you started and how you navigated to this like really big job, but it sounds like you're going to make a pretty big impact on the company as well as on patients. How did you get here? Yeah, so my first uh, my first role uh, with the company uh, coming out of the uh, Cameron Brooks uh, conference was a uh, Six Sigma black belt uh, position, um, and and uh, it, it was it was really kind of a, a great opportunity coming into the company because not only was I able to get my uh, Six Sigma black belt certification, um, but it was uh, a great opportunity to kind of step in um, and learn uh, a lot of the processes involved with the uh, the company. Uh, it also enabled me to build my network uh, quite rapidly uh, because I was working on so many different projects, so many different areas uh, that it really uh, allowed me to, to kind of expand out. Um, I did that for about 18 months. Um, and then one of the one of the projects uh, that I was working on um, kind of ended up morphing into a, a long-term um, new role that they wanted to do with some reorganization. Our, our company last year um, 
did a, uh, a voluntary early retirement program where uh, a lot of the um, later, uh, more senior individuals uh, were given an opportunity to to leave a little bit early as we, we downsized uh, some headcount. And, and so under that reorganization, um, I was able to stand up a new team uh, in one of our uh, manufacturing facilities um, and spent about a year uh, reorganize, reorganizing that, standing up a uh, standing up this new team and getting things um, situated with with that, and so kind of from from the success that that came uh, out of out of that, and from the uh, black belt role, uh, I, I made the uh, the contacts and uh, was uh, picked up to to take on this uh, this new role in in uh, project management, um, which is, has been kind of a great opportunity, and I started that about. Six months ago, in that that role that you stood up that team that was a master data role. Um, how yes, how would I've got a lot of questions on just what you said. Uh, so many places to to take you into this. But tell me, data. I mean, it's such. I mean, it's. I can't tell you how many companies talk about data analytics, big data, master data. Tell us a little bit about that role and the importance that that data is playing and in. in whether it be manufacturing, logistics, and research, what's going on there? Yeah, that was uh, was a very uh, interesting role um, because I, I didn't I didn't have a background in data um, or or master data, and I, I didn't um, have really a, a firm grasp of it going into the role. Um, and it was it was kind of purely a leadership uh, opportunity um, to kind of come in and take a, a group of uh, ten individuals that had just kind of been scattered around uh, and pull them together. Uh, into a team, and so they're very much the experts. Um, but but what our our data um, is is it's kind of the end to end data for the uh, purchasing, manufacturing, and distribution of our uh, pharmaceutical uh, drugs. And so um, what what they've quickly found uh, as we pulled this team together was was not only were they able to uh, find a lot of efficiencies uh, by having uh, 10 individuals now working together as a team, but, but it was actually uh, the way our company was, was set up was that it was actually kind of becoming a strategic advantage uh, for us in the way that we had our, uh, some of our systems set up um, without trying to get into all of the uh, jargon. Um, there, there became a, a larger focus uh, within the company on data and how we could harness uh, some of the uh, data that we had uh, Conduct the uh, the analytics and uh, um, things of that sort to to kind of differentiate ourselves. So that was that was a neat thing to be uh, a part of, um, and and it, there was a such a realization uh, for the success that that we had that they actually went back after I left that role. They they went back to Cameron Brooks um, and hired a uh, another Air Force officer. Uh, to backfill that position, and, uh, and he's doing a great job, kind of carrying on a lot of the um, initiatives that, that we had set up. Yeah, I want to also go back to your black belt job. I can imagine our listeners listening to that wondering, did you have any formal Six Sigma training to get hired into that role? I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any formal Six Sigma training, but one of the things that uh, I have kind of uh, experienced, uh, and I and I share with um, a lot of the transitioning officers uh, that, I, that I talk with, 
is that, uh, you know, Six Sigma, uh, like a lot of other project management opportunities, really kind of fits well with what we do in the military. And so a lot of a lot of the terms are different, uh, but the concepts and the ideas uh, of efficiency, uh, process uh, orientation of, of analysis based on data and, and things like that that uh, are associated with uh, Six Sigma and, and the other project management disciplines uh, fit right in to those. And so um, I think it's a it's kind of a great landing spot um, for transitioning uh, military officers uh, because it, it allows us to take uh, a lot of our background and experience and immediately put it to to use in what the you know the civilian company needs. Now, did did you go through some through some formal Six Sigma training in that role, Scott? I did. Uh, Eli Lilly actually has a twelve week uh, training program uh, that uh, they send all of their black belts through, um, and so that was kind of the first. Uh, three months of my time at Lilly was was going through um, that training, and uh, and you also have uh, coaches, uh, a master black belt that that supervises you and and kind of walks you through your first uh, project and and things like that. And so um, that that was training that that Lilly uh, provided, and then they also did my uh, certification. I you know a lot of people will you know, when they ask me, should I get a black belt before I get out? And I, I say, typically not. I say, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you want to learn about Six Sigma, maybe look at a green belt, because most companies, if they want you to have a black belt, they're going to have their own program. And that's why I asked the question, and I didn't know what you were going to answer in terms of uh, on Eli Lilly, if they had their own, but it's pretty typical what I've learned about companies that have a, a black belt program is they're going to have their own training program. Yeah, and that's that's uh, spot on. Um, if if a company uh, employs black belts, they they will have their own internal uh, certification. And and so you know if if you have a portfolio, if if you have a background uh, in that, much like you mentioned the green belt program, which I I think is a uh, is an awesome uh, opportunity for for folks uh, getting into Six Sigma or with interest in that. Um, but you know, even coming into the company, if, say I were to transition to another company uh, into a, a Six Sigma black belt role, um, they would still do their own company certification and, and things like that. So um, each company is kind of specific on, on how they handle that. Um, Scott, I think, you know, some of the listeners might not read the, the blog post that's associated with this. And I'm excited to have you um, share with us your background for two reasons. Number one, uh, being in uh, having an engineering degree, um, you know, there's, I think some misperceptions among engineers out there that engineering jobs are non-developmental, um, uh, because they're going to stick you in a cube and have you do design work. Um, so, I, I, I'm really excited that you can talk about your education. I know it was 14 years ago since you graduated, but you do have an engineering degree. How, and the different, and, and maybe you could share about how, the different types of things you interviewed for and how you, the value that engineering has, the degree has for companies. And then you can also, second part, as I said, the second thing is that you were a pilot in the Air Force. And a lot of people that are pilots decide to um, to be pilots in, in, in the civilian world and maybe why you chose uh, to be a development candidate instead. So that's kind of a two-part question. I'll just let you run with it and see where it goes. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, starting with the uh, the engineering discipline, um, that 
you know, like I said, that was 14 years ago, and I probably couldn't get through uh, a statics or dynamics class uh, again right now uh, if I had to. Um, but it did open up a lot of doors, um, you know, and companies, I think, more than anything, recognize uh, with that, that type of um, degree and that kind of education that you have a learning agility um, that they can uh, that they can harness um, and, and tap into uh, quickly. And so, you know, maybe they don't, they don't need you to, to do direct engineering uh, work, uh, but they understand that you're going to be able to pick up the, the processes or um, the the policies, um, the, the culture, however however their company is, uh, is set up, um, that you're going to have that, that learning agility uh, that will enable you to come right in and, and pick things up uh, at a faster pace. And so a lot of the roles that, that I interviewed for, um, you know, had a technical slant to them, you know, maybe um, were in manufacturing or, or something like that, because I think those are the preponderance of opportunities that exist for uh, transitioning uh, veterans. But a lot of them were also, you know, business development uh, type of opportunities. And um, just about all of them did have a, a leadership development aspect, because that's the other kind of the other side of the coin is, you know, they, they see you as an engineer, uh, and, and that learning agility and that technical background, but they also, uh, you know, see your, your leadership experience, um, the things that you've done in your military career. And, and there's a, um, a confidence that you could come in, um, and, and lead, uh, other like-minded individuals, um, to help their organization. So that's kind of, um, I, I think where the engineering, uh, played in for me, as far as, you know, my path was was very was very different um, because, like you mentioned, I, I was a pilot in the Air Force, um, and, and getting out, I, I really did change my stripes um, because, you know, as I looked at it, um, being a being a commercial pilot, uh, you know, which was kind of a, a good opportunity. A lot of folks were uh, um, my peers that were getting out were uh, were going to do that. I just I felt like there was uh, more uh, that I wanted to do in terms of. Uh, leadership and uh, you know personal development. Um, I, I enjoyed my time flying, uh, but I also enjoyed the opportunity to to lead uh, people and projects, um, drive strategy and things like that. And so that was what really kind of uh, pushed me uh, in the direction uh, towards a, a developmental career. Um, you know, doing doing uh, something non-flying related and, and what i found is that a lot of the things that i learned and developed as a pilot uh, were were very applicable um in this um in this kind of new career that i have uh, in terms of project uh improvement and management it's uh i, I like really what you just said there's you know uh, then it's not for everybody but you talked about that pilot piece to to the development candidate you'd like flying but you also wanted you wanted to continue to be a leader, focus on personal development, drive strategy. It sounds like, especially in this new, well, you did that in that data analytics role, um, building a team, drive st strategy, lead, and do personal development. Um, uh, so you're getting to do those things. And it sounds like really you're getting to do that in this current job as well. Uh, I'd like to go back to the Six Sigma job just for a moment. What was your, okay. tell me about a project that you did there. Do you have anything from that time as a Six Sigma that the layperson would understand and how you applied some of your military 
um, leadership and things that you brought with you to corporate America. Like this is the things that I learned in the military about lead and cross-functional and process improvement. Maybe tell us about a project that you're specifically proud of. Yeah, you know, um, it's not the most uh, glamorous project, uh, but but actually my, my first project um, that I did ended up having uh, probably one of the largest impacts, uh, you know, in terms of financial um, impact, but also on, on kind of changing the culture of uh, of the manufacturing site that I was uh, working at. Um, and um, without getting into a lot of the boring details of it, um, essentially, uh, all of the manufacturing that's done in, in a pharmaceutical company has to be uh, done in uh, what we call an aseptic environment, um, very clean. Uh, when you think of manufacturing uh, in a pharmaceutical company, it's uh, it, it, it's you know very very clean, uh, most of the time sterile, um, and so one of the things that the individuals have to wear is a specific type of gowning. Um, and I, when I came in, um, this gowning. Uh, was accounting for a, a huge amount of loss. Um, we, we didn't have a, a good understanding of, of why it was uh, costing as much as it was, but, but it was representing a large uh, percentage of our, uh, of our operation uh, expenses. And so um, I was kind of tasked with, uh, with bringing uh, this cost down and, and figuring it out. And so working, working through the project, um, we were able to, uh, to make a number of improvements that ultimately uh, saved uh, large amounts of money over uh, not only the course of the, the project in, in the short term, but also uh, into the uh, uh, kind of into the future because we we changed um, a lot of the behaviors and and the the, the thing that I think makes that uh, such an interesting project um, and and why it was applicable was that that same project had been run several times before. Um, and so when I, when I took over the project, uh, the, the common reaction that I, get, I got from a lot of individuals was, oh, no, not another gowning project. Um, but but yeah. what I was able to do um, <laughs> with this uh, was kind of use, um, again, you know, some of that military experience um, and, and take a different lens at it. And, and really what, what everybody had done in the past was simply cut inventory uh, and, and what, what I was able to to kind of get at was that cutting inventory wasn't the long-term solution. The long-term solution was changing behavior. Um, and so what we needed to do was uh, change the behavior of the operators that were using the gowning. We needed to change the behavior of the uh, procurement individuals that were negotiating the contracts. We needed to change the behavior of the uh, folks that were um, monitoring the, uh, the usage and uh, um, relating with the account managers and stuff. And so a lot of mine, uh, you know, I came in for my, uh, my proposal for uh, what we were going to do and it wasn't ch cutting the inventory. Um, it was changing the behavior and, and implementing training and um, a lot of the things that, that we do in the military um, or that we did in the military. Um, and that was, was ultimately what, what brought success with that. So I, I thought that was kind of, um, you know, and, and that being my, my first project um, was, with some, um, you know, just reinforcement that that the things that that we've we've learned uh, in our time in the military are applicable and are things that the uh, the civilian world uh, needs us to to bring in. That's a great. I love the the change behavior because I think a lot of times we think of Six Sigma projects being this machine's doing this, and so we need to you know, drive this change and here, but not even thinking of, or we always think about some raw material 
or some product component. At least that's what I do. And I might have that bias, but I'm thinking, not even thinking like how much all the other stuff that goes into ma making a product at a pharmaceutical company. Somebody's, somebody out there is looking at this line item saying, hey, wait a second, this shouldn't be costing this much. And if we can reduce the cost by X amount, but in, in, like you said, it's a behavior, you know, it was a training issue. Um, boy, that's a, I, I just learned a lot there. That was, that's really neat. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty um, enlightening for me. Cause I always had this impression. It's like a raw material, a, a drug, a packaging thing. I'm sure those are part of it, but something as simple as what are the people wearing, especially in a clean environment and how is that impacting our costs? Yeah. You know, and, and it is, um, it is, I think very uh, typical of, of a Six Sigma project to come in and, um, you know, oftentimes you, you kind of have this uh, grim reaper type of uh, reputation or stereotype that, you know, people are coming in to either take away uh, their resources, take away their headcount, um, because that's, that's kind of the way that, um, you know, people just picture that, that the savings come. But, but as you dig into the root cause, uh, which is kind of fundamental to, to the Six Sigma uh, methodology, digging into the uh, root cause of the issue, uh, you typically find that it's, you know, it's the behaviors um, that are, that are driving a lot of these other uh, symptoms. Uh, and if, you know, if you just treat the symptoms, you find that you get another project a year from now uh, or six months down the road when, when the problem comes back. So uh, that was, that was a great, I think, learning uh, experience and one that I've been able to, to kind of take into, into the other roles as well. Uh, Scott, we are, uh, I wish I could talk for like an hour more with you. This is just so interesting, but I know you've got to get going and I've got to, uh, um, hop on another call here very shortly. So, uh, I, my favorite question I ask to end a conversation is what's the best advice you've ever received that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the um, one of the best pieces of advice that I got um, coming through um, the transition and, and uh, I believe it was in, in one of our uh, interview conversations um, was talking about the importance of networking as you come to a new company. Um, and, and that, you know, what I what I found, uh, you know, at the time I thought, OK, networking, yeah, um, you know, put that in a, put that in a note in a, in a checkbox. But as I got to uh, Eli Lilly, what I found was my biggest deficit coming into into this this new civilian company was that I didn't have the network within the company uh, that I needed in order to be successful. And it took me about uh, maybe three or four days before I heard uh, I heard the that advice uh, come back in into my head that you know build build the network. Um, and and so that was was one of the things that that I focused on. Uh, pretty heavily in, in the first year I had a supervisor that was very supportive of that. Um, and you know, I, I, I just, I, I committed myself to, to building that network, um, you know, especially in that, in that first year and, and learning as much as I could, but, but also learning as many people as I could, um, in order to, to get established into the, into the company. And so I think, uh, coming from the military, we, we all have, you know, a variety of, of different skill sets, uh, experiences, that are all valuable, but, but one of the things that just about all of us are going to be uh, deficient in is 
as a as a civilian network, um, especially you know in the, in the place that we end up, and so kind of prioritizing that um, in that you know especially in that first year uh, is something that I think really set you up for success uh, down the road. And one of the things I'm you know I'm, I'm very happy that uh, that Cameron Brooks was able to, to share with me. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Scott, and and uh, thank you for being on the on the podcast uh, today and sharing uh, your time and your insight and wisdom. I feel like there's probably two more hours of stuff we could talk about on Six Sigma and this project that you're leading on oncology. So I think I'd like to have you on the show in another year and hear how all this process ended up working out for you. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to uh, uh, chat with you anytime. And, uh, and like I said, my, uh, my experiences through the, through the Cameron Brooks and, um, you know, as, as being an alumni and uh, being in the network uh, has has just been uh, has been very valuable. Um, so happy to uh, happy to help out in any way that I can because uh, you know I I really do think that uh, that it that sets uh, JMOs up for success as they uh, transition. Very good, Scott. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hey, you do the same, Joel. Thank you for uh, thank you for the time today. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to another episode of Cameron Brooks' podcast, Above and Beyond. To learn more about Cameron Brooks, visit our website at cameron-brooks.com. You can order our book, PCS to Corporate America. And you can also email me with any questions you have at joel at cameron-brooks.com.